1 Kings 17. Elijah the Tishbite, who was one of the settlers of Gilead, said to Ahab, As Yahweh the God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Then Yahweh's word came to him, saying, Go away from here, turn eastward, and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, that is before the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook. I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to Yahweh's word, for he went and lived by the brook, brook Cherith, that is before the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. After a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Yahweh's word came to him, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to sustain you. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and said, Please, get me a little water in a jar that I may drink. As she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. She said, As Yahweh your God lives, I don't have a cake, but a handful of meal in a jar, and a little oil in a jar. Behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and bake it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go and do as you have said, but make me a little cake from it first, and bring it out to me, and after it make some for you and for your son. For Yahweh the God of Israel says, The jar of meal will not run out, and the jar of oil will not fail, until the day that Yahweh sends rain on the land. She went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house ate many days. The jar of meal didn't run out, and the jar of oil didn't fail, according to Yahweh's word which he spoke by Elijah. After these things, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became sick, and his sickness was so severe that he, there was no breath left in him. She said to Elijah, What have I to do with you, you man of God? You have come to me to bring my sin to memory and kill my son. He said to her, Give me your son. He took him out of her bosom and carried him up into the room where he stayed and laid him on his own bed. He cried to Yahweh and said, Yahweh my God, have you also brought evil on the widow with whom I am staying by killing her son? He stretched himself on the child three times and cried to Yahweh and said, Yahweh my God, please let this child's soul come into him again. Yahweh listened to the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the room into the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, Behold, your son lives. The woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God and that Yahweh's word is in your mouth, and that Yahweh's word in your mouth is truth. All right. <laughs> now I know that you're a man of God. So, you know, I would have thought that the, the food, the, the bread and the oil not running out was a pretty great miracle. You know, Elijah is, there's really two people in the Old Testament that have such incredible supernatural miracles in their lives. It's Moses and it's Elijah. They're very highly endorsed by God. Both of them are very human as well. In the New Testament, it says that Elijah was a man just like us. And so that's encouraging 
to see that, that you can really serve the Lord in, in might and power and be a normal person as well, just like Elijah. Elijah is from Gilead. So Gilead is across the Jordan on the eastern side. So that's, you know, that was where only two and a half of the tribes were. That's where he's from. So he's over there. Um, and what happens here is that we're, we're now in a period of time where Ahab is the king in Israel. And you remember in the last chapter, I was explaining how Ahab has completely endorsed Canaanite religion and Jezebel with him. There's 850 prophets of this, uh, yeah, prophets of this Canaanite religion plus all the priests. It's a state-endorsed religion in the north. And uh, whereas before this, you know, they were idolatrous, but it was syncretistic. They kind of sacrificed. Some of them worshipped the Baals. Some of them worshipped Yahweh. Some of them worshipped Yahweh in the wrong way, but they were still worshipping the right God. So it was, it was syncretistic, but now it's state-endorsed. And so the Lord has raised up Elijah. Now, Baal, apparently, was the god of storms. And so he was a god that, they believed would bring along rain. <laughs> so what does the Lord decide to do when there's a God that's state endorsed that's supposed to be a rain providing God? He decides to not let there be rain. So you remember way back in the, in the plagues in Egypt that the 10 plagues were, each of one of them was deliberately targeted against an Egyptian God. You know, they had the Egyptian God of cattle. So then the Lord would send along a plague and kill all the cattle. There was the Egyptian god of the frogs, so the Lord had sent a plague of frogs, and, and, and so on it went. And so the Lord was demonstrating back in the Exodus that, that he was God, and these other gods were not gods. They were, they were not powerful. Well, now, what's the Lord doing? Same thing. He's demonstrating that he is God, and Baal is not a god. Baal is supposedly supposed to bring rain, but there is no rain. I, um, Elijah goes to... Ahab and says, according to my word, Yahweh says there'll be no rain on this land until I say so. <laughs> and then he bolts and he disappears. And so there's a famine. And all of this time in the northern nation of Israel, you know, they're, they're sacrificing to their God, believing for rain. They're getting nothing. Their God's powerless because he's not a God at all. So Elijah goes to the brook Cherith, uh, which... Um, People are not 100% certain which brook this is. But most people think it's Wadi al-Yabis in Jordan, which is a really fantastic looking place. I mean, look at that. Um, I'd, I'd happily stay in a place like that. So green and, and uh, look at that lovely stream. Probably fantastic to visit as a tourist. I've always wanted to go to the country of Jordan. Uh, I'd like to go to Israel, Jordan, and Egypt, visit all three. There's so many interesting biblical things to see, at least Old Testament things. And then in the New Testament, of course, you can't go past Greece and Turkey. <laughs> so you've got to add all of those onto your, to your Christian tourist itinerary. But anyway, this, this uh, book, Cherith, just looks fabulous. And, um, but then, of course, it eventually dries up as well. And so he goes to, Z to the widow of Zarephath in Sidon. I think it's really interesting that Jezebel was from Sidon. She's the one that endorses this state religion of following, uh, you know, the Baals and the Ashtoreths. But the Lord sends Elijah to Sidon. He sends him right into the heart of this idolatrous country. And there he's going to get cared for. And interestingly enough, too, that's probably the last place Ahab would think to find him. 
So he's, he's probably got some level of safety being in a place where he's not expected as well. So when he gets to um, you know, Sidon and he says to this woman, please make me um, a cake. And she, <laughs> she says, well, I've only got enough for one more loaf of bread and I'm gonna make it for my son and I and we're going to die. That there is a picture of how bad the famine is. We don't, we don't often kind of get the sense of how bleak conditions were when you just read the Bible because the Bible doesn't, first of all, there's no pictures, there's no video, um, but you know, it, it just says things. It just says there was a famine in the land and it doesn't really give you the sense of how bad it was, but here we get a sense of it. The, this lady and her son had one more meal left and that's it, they were gonna die. If you will remember back in the 1990s, there was a terrible famine in Ethiopia, Eritrea, Somalia, that whole part of the world. And um, people were dying. There were photos from you know, World Vision and, and you know, Feed the Hungry and organizations like that of people, we could see their bone, little children. Well, just think that. Think a famine like that. And that's what we've got here. Things were so bad. And um, notice that the woman says to um, Elijah, he, he refers to Yahweh, your God. So this isn't her God, this is Elijah's God. But she does what Elijah says and she makes him a cake and then her own provisions don't run out. So there's something wonderful about obeying the voice of the Lord. There's something wonderful about um, tr you know, trusting God and obeying. And the Lord provides, and also f providing for God's people, for, for God's prophets, for God's servants the Lord provides, and it's a great miracle. That miracle there is an example of, you know, how Jesus in the New Testament, he fed the, fat, the crowds, the food didn't run out. Jesus does everything that Elijah does, but does it way better. So here we've got an example of food not running out for one family, but Jesus takes one little boy's food and makes it feed thousands of people. And we will see that Jesus was so incredible that he does all the miracles of Elijah, and he does them way better. And, um, and the other example of that is also in this chapter. The first resurrection miracle in the entire Bible is right here in this chapter where Elijah raises this little boy from the dead. And never before in the Bible has there been a resurrection up to this point. This is the first one. And I, um, so it's, it's not like, you know, if you or I, if, if someone dies, in our minds at least, there's the possibility that there could be a resurrection. I've been at funerals where I was at a funeral once where um, I was conducting the funeral and it was a cremation and the body had already been cremated and it was in a jar there at the funeral. And someone said to me, why don't we pray and believe for a resurrection? <laughs> I, I just didn't have the faith for it, to be completely honest. I would have had more faith for it if the body hadn't been cremated. Uh, it's not that God isn't possible. It's not possible for God to do these things. And if you think about it, at the end of the age, we're all going to be resurrected and given new, you know, new bodies. So God is going to resurrect people from cremated ashes. It's going to happen. But um, it's not typically what happens. But even so, the, it's, in their, it's in our mind. You know, it's in the mind of that person saying, why don't you believe for that? The, the possibility of it exists. I just wonder what Elijah was thinking because it hadn't been done before. What was in his mind? Did the Lord put that there? Did the Lord cause this to happen? I'm not really sure, but I just it, it's just an example of what a man of God Elijah is. You know, we often think Moses is a great man of God, but we don't kind of hold Elijah up 
But Elijah is on the same level as Moses. And in the New Testament, when Jesus is transfigured, uh, you know, on the Mount of Transfiguration, who are the two people that come with Jesus? It's Moses and Elijah, the two uh, incredible men from the Old Testament. So Elijah raises this boy from the dead. And by way of interest, there are eight resurrections in the Bible. Not counting the fact that we'll all be resurrected one day, um, but there are eight. So Elijah performs one resurrection. Elisha asks for a double portion of Elijah's spirit, and he performs two resurrections. In the New Testament, Peter performs one resurrection. Paul performs one resurrection. So far, we're up to five. And Jesus performs three. Isn't that incredible? Uh, Jesus raises uh, Jairus' daughter. He raises the widow of Nain's son, and he raises Lazarus. And so there are eight resurrections in the Bible. And, well, I guess if you count his own resurrection, there are nine. Jesus raising himself from the dead. But technically, you know, the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. So there are uh, eight resurrections um, that are performed by people of God. And, of course, there's the Lord's resurrection, which is another thing entirely. You know, when Jesus raised from the dead, he wasn't given back the same life he had before. And this is where it's different. So when um, this little boy here was raised from the dead, he got back the life he had before and he was going to die again. And all the other people, Lazarus and everyone, when they, when they got their lives back, they would still die again. When Jesus was raised from the dead, his resurrection was to a glorified body and, um, and he <laughs> didn't die ever again. So that's a different type of resurrection there. And so, so there are these eight resurrections and interestingly, the number eight is symbolic for new life, resurrection. Finally, just one interesting other thought. According to some Jewish verbal traditions, this little boy that was raised from the dead um, was the prophet Jonah. So that's an interesting little thought. I don't know if that's true or not, but if that's the case, <laughs> then uh, without Elijah, we wouldn't have had Jonah. So Lord, I want to thank you for this chapter today. I want to thank you that you raise up the right people at the right time. And I thank you that in the land of Israel, you raised up Elijah. And I thank you for such a great part of the Bible. And we're so glad. And I pray that as we go through these next chapters ahead, you'd speak to our hearts through what Elijah did. In Jesus' name, amen.